Um, she has been a guest of ours in the past, and uh, she is ready to uh, coordinate yet again an incredible event happening under the umbrella of Project Witness this coming July 14th, a week from tomorrow night. It's happening at the Museum of Jewish Heritage. It's called Once Upon a Family, the Saga of Polish Jewry. She is known not only for her work with Project Witness, she is the director, in fact, uh, but she is known as the publisher of the Hamodia Daily Newspaper. And uh, she is Ruth Lichtenstein, who is with us live in studio this morning here at JM in the AM. This is Lichtenstein, an honor to welcome you back to JM in the AM. An honor to be here. Thank I, you. I appreciate that. Is there hope for a daily Jewish newspaper in the Jewish community? Is it possible that there would be room and there would be enough of a demand for a daily Jewish newspaper in the Jewish community? Is that possible? Yes. What is it now, over 10 years, 11 years? What is it exactly? Over 11 years, over and we are still years. here. Unbelievable. Obviously, the question I just asked should have been asked and probably was asked a million times 11 years ago. But that was the big question. If a daily Jewish newspaper in the Jewish community could survive, and look at this, 11 years later, I'm sitting here with a copy of today's Hamodia right in front of me. How do you like that? Uh, by the way, how... Because I know your weekly, which is published on Wednesday, basically goes everywhere. I wouldn't be surprised if it's everywhere around the world at this point. But the daily, what's the range? Like, it's in the Catskills for the summer, right? You can get that in the yeah. Catskills. Where else? Can you get it all over New York and New Jersey, basically? Yes. Anywhere else? Or it's, uh, that's it? No, it's the tri-state area. Tri-state area. So there are people... I'd be shocked at which neighborhoods are getting this newspaper every day. I'd be surprised, right? You will. I would be very surprised. Talking about the weekly, we have three major editions. Yeah. American, European, and Israeli. Yeah. And we have small editions in Australia and South Africa as well. As a weekly in Australia? Yes. So if I'm in Switzerland, for instance, I can get a European Hamodi on a weekly basis. Yes, you can, from right. our London right. office. What about Poland? The same. You, you just need to Poland? arrange it. You can get it if you're living in Poland. You can arrange it. So there are Jews living in Germany who are reading Hamodia on a weekly basis. I believe that they are reading Hamodia on a daily basis online, our digital edition. Right. A lot of people are using the digital edition to actually check in every single day. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Eleven years later. Congratulations. What Thank month you. did you launch it? It was launched what time of the year? It was launched on Kislev on the 25th yard site of my father, Zechon Elvacha. Wow. And here we are, 11 years later. That was right before Hanukkah at that time? Yes. Wow. Big Hanukkah present for the Jewish community. Anyway, continued. Hatzlach Rabbah. It's Thank amazing you. what's going on. And by the way, we should mention one other thing before we talk about Project Witness. You are one of the people, and it's amazing to me, with the whole world going digital and the whole world going into this advanced technology, it is amazing to me that Jewish newspapers and magazines have had some type of renaissance, right? Some you could, you could identify an area of popularity that has just taken off like crazy over the last few years. You're obviously one of the reasons for that, but we should mention that in the outside of the Jewish newspapers in the Jewish magazine arena. The Hamodia uh, personnel have also been responsible for that because you every single Monday, which would be today, you have a Bina magazine that comes out, right? And then you have weekly magazines that are attached to your newspaper. So everyone thinks of you as newspaper. You're part of the whole magazine revolution as well. So, well, we have, I guess, to thank the Ribbon Shalom for giving us Shabbos. So. <laughs> yeah. Without that, the magazine industry would be finished, huh? But you want to know something? It's funny. 
There's plenty of reading going on outside of Shabbos. Also. I think people want interesting stuff, and as long as it's presented nicely and it's interesting, I don't know, they're willing to pay for it and get it. And obviously, we are trying our best, obviously and we we'll, will continue. Yeah, obviously, we'll never know what life is like without Shabbos, but uh, one can conjecture. Anyway, so that's the story with Hamodia and Mrs. Lichtenstein and her staff's influence on the world of Jewish publishing. Now we have an opportunity to speak about her influence and uh, her staff's influence on something called Project Witness. Project Witness began uh, how long ago? How long ago was it for? I guess when I turned seven, which was like two and a half years ago. That's it? <laughs> two and a half years ago, Project Witness. And we've no, 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 no. When I turned seven, yeah. which was two and a half years ago. Right. Meaning the newspaper turned seven years old. No. What, you yourself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, <laughs> so uh, two and a half years ago, Project Witness is founded. We've been to no, some... No, Project Witness was... Uh, Project Witness was founded, uh, I would say, many years ago, but uh, got more into the knowledge of the public when we came out with our monumental work. Right, the book. With, yes, Witness to History. Right. And since then, when I thought that, you know, I finished my work and I can go back to normal life, I discovered that we actually just started. And right. since then... We started with uh, programs for high school, for colleges, right. for middle school. So, so your point being that this was a work that was essentially a lifetime work for Absolutely. you. That culminated in its first stage with Witness to History, which was, we, we spoke about it at length when that book was released. And we talked about its impact on many schools and, and many families out there. And you were thinking at that time, after all these decades of finally having realized this dream of having this book published, you figured that's it. This project is now, you know, in its final form. You didn't realize that it would really catapult you into a whole array of different arenas now that we call, you know, pro- under the umbrella of Project Witness, which is pretty amazing. And you mentioned schools, and you mentioned, and there are a lot of different projects that are going on. Anyway, one of the things that you have been committed uh, to do is uh, to present documentaries which explain and which um, uh, present to the Jewish community the history of the Jewish people in the 20th century, and, and obviously the time of World War II. And this coming Tuesday night, a week from tomorrow, Project Witness presents an exclusive world premiere of an original, riveting documentary. It's called Once Upon a Family, the Saga of Polish Jury at the Museum of Jewish Heritage. Uh, there will be um, survivors, liberators, and their descendants who will be part of this. A very distinguished host committee of people in our community who are ready to make this a major success. And in addition to all that, you are going to be presenting as guest speaker for that night Rabbi Yisrael Mayer Lau, who's not just Chief Rabbi of Tel Aviv and a Holocaust survivor and somebody who served as Chief Rabbi of Israel, but somebody who has been at the forefront of telling a story. His story is absolutely remarkable, and as we always say, his story was duplicated so many times in that era. So this is happening a week from Tuesday night at the Museum of Jewish Heritage. Tell us about Once Upon a Family. Okay, so Once Upon a Family is the story about Polish Jewry. Um, this is not the first documentary which Project Witness uh, produced. Right. Uh, last year, we had a tremendous success with, in one split second, the story of Hungarian Jewry. And two years ago, it was America and the Holocaust, and so on and so forth. Talking about the story of the Polish Jewry, as uh, 
a proud child of two Holocaust survivors. Both of them came from Poland. It means a lot to me, but not only to me. It means a lot to a group of people who not necessarily are descendants of Holocaust survivors from Poland, right. from Hungary, from Germany, from different places, who understands the importance of giving over the story, the right story, our story, our tradition to the younger generation. One of the ways to do it is through documentaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, this documentary has been worked on for a long time uh, uh, for us. Uh, I would say since uh, November. Uh, the producer is uh, Guy Orman uh, from Big Production. And um, our team traveled to Israel, to Poland, uh, here in the United States from coast to coast and interviewed a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, survivors. We have unique, uh, footage that came from different archives. Uh, we have unbelievable stories of people, of communities, uh, and it's all through, I would say, the glasses of the Jewish family. This is very different than the Hungarian story, right? Polish jury it was a completely different experience collectively than the Hungarian experience. Yes, unfortunately, we are talking about over 3 million Jews who lived in Poland. I mean, the Jewish history in Poland is going back to 800 years, and some historians will say 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. And we are talking into a place which turned into the graveyard of... Um, of the of the European jury, where the Nazis decided to execute the final solution, as they called it, in Poland. So there is a tremendous amount of information. There is a tremendous amount of you know everything is is just big. Right. It's, a lot it's, lot of volume of stories, no question. A lot of it. volume of stories, information, history, and it's not easy to put it on you know, all into one documentary. Right. That's one of the reasons that you and your staff have been working around the clock. You're trying to make it into documentary size, but you're going to make available eventually. You're going to make all this material available to everybody, which is Absolutely. something we could discuss down the road, but uh, they should at least come and see uh, what the documentary has become at this point, which they can next Tuesday night. Ruth Lichtenstein is here. Uh, July the 14th, the Museum of Jewish Heritage is the... Uh, Debut of Once Upon a Family. How did Rabbi Lau react when he heard about this documentary? He was very pleased about it. He was very pleased last year to come as well. But I guess this year we, this is his story right. as a child who was exactly, you know, five years and four months when he was separated from his mother till he was uh, liberated. Um, and uh, we have uh, different stories um, of liberators and, you know, survivors. Uh, some of them we are going to present at uh, premiere next week. And later on, we are planning, of course, to have local uh, shows in different communities and in New York area. As well, we always talk about the, the the you know the race against the clock. Survivors are not you know going to survive forever, so to speak. Um, besides that factor, the time factor, is there 
Is there anything else that that is that is making this, you know, that gives this a reason to accelerate a project like that, or is that enough? Is that enough that just, you know, we don't want to lose these eyewitness accounts? I agree with you that we are racing against the clock. We are, indeed, we are going. Uh, you know, uh, we are doing interviews wherever we can. Uh, we uh, really to catch, you know, the last voice. Uh, that can be heard from different communities, not necessarily Poland. Um, in addition to that, let's not forget rise of anti-Semitism right. in Europe. Let's not forget what's going on today, you know, on campuses right. here in colleges in the United States, uh, which makes it, you know, uh, very, very important for us uh, to teach the younger generation what, uh, you know, our... Families, our grandparents, our parents went through, you know, in uh, Europe. And in addition to that, it's a new generation. We are talking today, 70 years later, about the fourth generation already. So we are talking about the generations that really either doesn't remember the grandparents or the great-grandparents, or unfortunately they are sick already and they cannot learn from them. So I feel very strongly that this is our duty as children of survivors, uh, and I am, I have no words to thank the committee behind us who is so strong, all of them children of survivors who feel the important, uh, needs that we have here to give it over. And I am convinced that if we are not going to do it, Nobody will. Nobody will. Um, there is an amazing active group, and they should be commended, and I'm sure you'll recognize many of them at the event next Tuesday. A lot of great people who are involved who want to uh, make sure that this stays alive as long as possible. And that's and, and it's not really for today, but your ultimate goal, obviously, is for all Jews and non-Jews to see this and to be aware of it and be educated. Obviously, now the focus is on getting this out and making it available to our community. But I, ideally, you'd like everyone to to see this and be educated by it. Ruth Lichtenstein is here. She publishes Hamodi on a daily basis and directs Project Witness. The event is July the 14th, Museum of Jewish Heritage. It's called Once Upon a Family, and everyone is invited to uh, come and participate see the screening and uh, and then after that to to participate in spreading the word about this and all your other projects because project witness has become something now where you're at anywhere people need you they want you in the lecture circuit for colleges they want you in the lecture circuit for congregations around the country and you've done both extensively they want you in schools with the passport program that we've spoken about on the air high schools middle schools uh for college campuses anywhere where they where they want you you want to send yourself and your staff to go out and to uh, spread the word about all of this. If I can share with you a story sure. that came from California, uh, a teenager who attends uh, a public high school and wanted very much uh, to interview a real Holocaust survivor. <laughs> it's funny to <laughs> talk like that, but that's what that's he the asked way they for. Put it, yeah. <laughs> and a local uh, rabbi connected him with us, and uh, we introduced him to um, a Holocaust survivor, and he did the interview and then wrote a report. And the emails that we got from California, uh, from his mother, from the teenager himself, just showed that with a little effort and, you know, 
what we say, Avara Meidish hearts, with a little warm heart, right. okay, you can have an impact on teenagers, on Jewish children, on non-Jewish children, all over. And uh, the most important is to remember our goal to transmit to the next generation. You ever see survivors walk into schools and give presentations? Absolutely, we and, have it. And, and you see the way the kids react. Thank God the survivors, many of them, decided to finally speak and talk about all this because what they're giving over is so vital, so important, and in many cases very inspirational, depending on what their story is. So Once Upon a Family, the saga of Polish jury, you've probably seen all the footage by now, although I, I, to be fair to you, I don't know if you possibly could have seen everything, but there's always, with all the stories, and I'm sure there are going to be many incredible stories that people will see when they see this documentary. Is there one that sticks out with you that was just so emotional, so you know, so, so touching to your heart that was beyond even the others that were presented in? Is there one that you recall as you were going through all this uh, research? There are a lot of unbelievable stories, very emotional one, inspirational one. Um, maybe the story of uh, a woman from Lodz. She lives in Israel. Her name is Dvora. Um, and she... She came from Lodz, she was a girl, and she is describing how they were hidden um, from the Germans. Um, Lodz ghetto was, uh, was already destroyed uh, by the Nazis, and uh, except of uh, 800 Jews who were left behind to... Um, to rearrange the place as the German wanted, uh, the rest of the population was sent to Auschwitz. And they were, um, you know, in a terrible situation where they didn't want to go to Auschwitz and they didn't know what to do. Um, they ended getting to Auschwitz. However, when they got to, um, on the way to the train, um, one of the family members uh, suggested that they should hide um, under a roof, and the roof uh, was built in a kind of a way that they had uh, like a thin um, um, board uh, that divided the attic mm -hmm. in the roof, you know, uh, under the roof, and um, it looked like very strange when you came in and you look at it, but they hid behind the, this piece of, uh, of wood and, uh, they threw down the letter because they knew that if they're going to leave it, the Germans right away will understand that somebody is hiding here. They, the Germans arrived, they put back the letter, they sent a watchdog up, he, you know, was not sniffed around. Sniffed around, went down, and then the commander insisted that one of the soldiers should go up. And he came up, and he pushed his head in, and as she said, we stopped breathing, and we said, maestro, and he pushed his head in, and he said, nobody is here for that head to go up, and he went down. There are different Yeshua stories. There are different stories of that kind. Uh, <laughs> there are different stories of Kiddush Hashem. There are different stories of, you know, miracles that happened to survivors. So we were able to interview them right. and to bring their story.
And eyewitness accounts when they saw their brothers and sisters be murdered and thousands being led away. We can't, we can't forget that, that it's so important to remember and to remind the world about what happened for those who did not survive. Um, you, you mentioned that you're the child of Holocaust survivors. And yes. I, and I mentioned earlier that there are those who spoke and those who did not. Do you come from those who spoke or not? I'm coming uh, from a very warm home where my father did not speak about his personal uh, experience, but he did write 35 books about Polish Jewry, and my mother did speak. Um, she gave us the story, not in order. But she was also from Poland? She was also from Poland. Uh, my father lost his... Uh, first wife and a child, my brother Mendele, just four months before liberation, they were sent to Auschwitz. And my mother was for five and a half years under the Nazis. And she was liberated. She was 15 and a half. Um, her story is just unbelievable. And uh, when she was liberated finally by the Russians, two, and a, two hours later, her brother was arrested by another unit of the uh, another Soviet unit who suspected him that he collaborated with the Nazis, that he was a Volkdeutsche. Um, she decided not to stay in Poland. She couldn't stay there. She was trying to go back home, but the home taker who turns them into the Germans um, claims that she never lived here, and she's imagining all that she wanted was a memento to take with her. And with a little knapsack, she left Poland forever, as she said, to walk to Eretz Israel. And uh, two and, and a half years later, she not only made it to Israel, but was reunited with her brother in Israel. He managed to get out of the Soviet prison and to make it in illegal aliyah to Israel. Your father's books were written in what language? Hebrew. 35 of them. Yes. Um, once Upon a Family, the saga of Polish jury uh, has its world premiere on the night of Tuesday, July 14th at the Museum of Jewish Heritage in New York City, Rabbi Yisrael Mayer Lau, and nothing against the documentary. I'm sure it's worth it, but it's also worth going to meet Rabbi Lau. Absolutely. <laughs> Rabbi Yisrael Mayer Lau will be in uh, to present and to meet everybody. Uh, the buffet reception uh, will be um, uh, that evening. You can go to the following address to reserve your tickets, premier.projectwitness.org premier.projectwitness.org you can also dial their number which is 718-WITNESS 718-WITNESS for information about the event and as we said earlier there are so many other things that Project Witness is doing between uh, all the educational programs, the schools uh, ranging from uh, yeshivas to uh, day schools and middle schools to even public schools and so many other programs that they that they have. It's worth exploring. If you're in the field of education, you're a principal, you're a teacher, obviously a history teacher or those responsible for teaching the Holocaust, make sure to... Um, Make sure to contact Project Witness. This will be a good time of year, actually, to contact them before the school year starts. They can enhance your program. And the nine days will bring us... Was it the nine days you just mentioned? I th I'm sorry. I misunderstood. Volunteers. Oh. That we will welcome volunteers as we have a lot of work. That, um, In general, you mean, not just for the yes. event. In general, volunteers yeah. are needed and are welcome. And you can become one if you contact 718-WITNESS. Again, that's 718-WITNESS. You can become a volunteer to help out Project Witness in their incredible work. And um, uh, you could use the email address for that, or the web address, I should say, for that as well. Anything else you'd like to add, Mrs. Lichtenstein? 
I thank you very much. A good friend of Project Witness and Hamadia. I appreciate that. What do and people need to know, by the way, about Tuesday night? Just uh, make a reservation and show make up? Make a reservation basically? and show up and enjoy and being inspired. By the way, last time you did one of these premieres was standing room only. I'm going to make a suggestion. When they announce go to the theater, folks... Get in there as soon as you can, otherwise you may end up without we'll a seat. A sign did you get event. a seat last time? Did you did get a seat? Because <laughs> it was, I'm telling, it was packed. I'm amazed how many people want to be there and want to uh, experience it. It's incredible. Uh, Once upon a family, the saga of Polish Jewry. A week from tonight at the museum. A week from tomorrow night at the Museum of Jewish Heritage on the 14th of July. Or by Lau will be there. Information uh, projectwitness.org. Get your reservations in and uh, go and be inspired by that incredible documentary. Mrs. Lichtenstein, continue your amazing work on behalf of the Jewish people. Thank you. A pleasure. More coming up. Keep it right here on a Monday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Mm-hmm.